So did you register a ticket for the uh, Trump rally, John? <laughs> no, but I did. I did enjoy watching. I mean, this New York Times, uh, New York Times headline is pretty amazing. TikTok teens and K-pop stands say they sink Trump rally. I am intrigued though because it's all fun and games today. What happens when the next one is, you know, X group and Y group sink Biden rally, right? Because you know that's going to happen next. Uh, I mean, do we have to set the backstage for this? I mean, uh... well, br- briefly, Trump had this rally in Tulsa that's surrounded by controversy, both because it's a rally during the coronavirus and also the date that he chose was right. Juneteenth, which is a, a date that's celebrated as sort of like a black emancipation day, which was uh, associated with the slaves being freed in Texas, I believe. All right. Well, becoming aware that they, yeah. That's right, becoming aware that they had been freed. And, and Tulsa was the site of a massacre, frankly, of a very wealthy black neighborhood in, I believe, the late, the, the early 1900s. Yeah, and 1918, so the, 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 or, or 1908. Yeah, the juxtap- uh, right, so the juxtaposition of the two was 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 very, right. was uh, raised a lot of eyebrows, to say the least. Right, right. and he, he was holding a rally in a 20,000-seat arena. They were so convinced that they were going to sell it out that they actually set up an overflow area with room for tens of thousands of more people, literally. And a big stage, and I don't know, nobody knows exactly how many people showed up, but it, you know, certainly a half, at, at best, a half empty arena, and nobody in the overflow area. Which, again, if they hadn't said anything or set any expectations, they could say thousands of people showed up for a Trump rally, and that's a win in the middle of a pandemic. Right. But because they said they they set the expectation that it was a certain sellout and had an overflow area and the overflow area, because it was outside, it was, you know, easy for the news to get pictures of the stage and a completely empty area in front of it. (laughs) It was comical for those of us who enjoy the fact that not too many people showed up. But anyway, how in the world did they think so many people were going to show up? They were talking about a million people having registered to come. This is where the teenagers on TikTok and and the K-pop fans, that's uh, Korean pop music. I had to look it up. I'm I'm afraid to admit. (laughs) Of course he did. I was like, K-pop? What's that? That sounds cool. (laughs) It does sound cool. It has like a good onomatopoeia to it. K-pop. It's catchy. But anyway, uh, where are you going with it? Well, I just think back to back in 2008. Remember Barack Obama had, I believe it was my.barackobama.com or dot whatever, whatever TLD right. had, which was basically like a social network sort of thing where you could connect with other people and figure out who you wanted to talk to, et cetera, et cetera. And it was rightly praised as being incredibly like internet forward and really incorporating the internet in a way that had never been done on a ca- campaign previously. And then in 2012, took it to an entirely different level by not necessarily having his own social network, but really piggybacking and leveraging Facebook and other social networks. And I remember reading articles and I, you know, about how this incredible data operation, how the, the Obama campaign is so far ahead, the Democrats get data, Republicans don't, et cetera, et cetera. And it was very, you know, praised about you know how forward thinking it was and all these sorts of things. So you fast forward four years, and then you, you know, a couple years after that, you have the Cambridge Analytica scandal. The secret about the Cambridge Analytica scandal is that the data they were talking about using in the case of Cambridge Analytica was the exact same data that the Obama campaign was using, right? It was it was the same general idea. The only difference is that Cambridge Analytica was much worse at it. <laughs> like they were, well, there's two differences. One, they weren't very good at it and that they were selling a lot of snake oil. And then two, 
Facebook in, I believe, 2014 had made it had shut down that API. So you could no longer get that level of data, which is not just your data, but your like your friend's data. And so Cambridge Analytica, one of the reasons it was worse was it was using very old data from before the shutdown that they had harvested and kept against faceless policies. But, but the point is, is that it's one thing to say, well, this is so great when it happens on one side. And then the other side does it. It's like, oh, my world, the, the, the world is ending. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> maybe it, the, the, the truth somewhere in the middle. And I was just struck by this because you know that like once it happens on one side, it's, it's going to happen on the other. Like, okay, it was amusing to your point to hype it up. A million people registered, et cetera. I believe the number was there was 6,200 scan tickets uh, in a 19,000 seat arena that actually showed up. But you know this is going to happen on the other side. And like this whole, now there's a new battleground, which is let's scam sort of like ticket collection or registering sorts of things. And it's just going to be interesting to see. It's one of those things where like every time you open one of these Pandora's boxes, depending on your personal point of view, it can be funny or hilarious, but you know it's just going to circle around going forward. I'm curious. I actually don't know how this how ticketing for these things has ever worked i'm not quite sure it'll ever happen for the other side though i don't think that the biden campaign will ever have <laughs> will ever have that much popularity at a rally <laughs> no i think that they could i just think that because of the coronavirus and where it's where it looks like it's heading in the u.s i don't think there's a point between now and november where they'll they'll even attempt to have thousands of people in it in a place to see him talk. I really don't think it'll happen. I think it's, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that, I don't know if he could get 20,000 people into a place, but, you know, it certainly could get thousands. But how do they ever keep people out? I just always assumed that, because I, and, and, you know, uh, to their credit, which is a weird way of putting it, I feel that the Republican side is a lot, historically, a lot better at uh, what you would call dirty tricks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a historical fact. This yeah, isn't like it, Lee, Lee Atwater. Is that who it was? Was the uh, the famed sort of operative right. with with uh, mail direct mail direct mail? Right. That's one of the funny things about these these Facebook things about misinformation. Go back and study the direct mail industry. It's it, it, and it far, as far as politics go, right. I mean that is the dirtiest of dirty tricks. Well, and it's funny too. I mean, not to really get sidetracked here, but there's also I think it's Josh Marshall at TPM who or somebody at TPM who's written about it, but. Direct mail is actually, in addition to the political side of direct mail, which Lee Atwater was a big part of and which is, was very effective for them at uh, especially their grassroots efforts of focusing on filling up smaller, very low publicity political positions from coast to coast, you know, county and state and stuff like that that you just don't hear about on TV, but filling them up with Republicans over the last few decades. Direct mail is a big part of that, uh, especially pre-internet. But the other thing is that on the right side, in term, people who tend to vote Republican and watch the Fox News channel and stuff like that also just tend to buy stuff from direct mail, like vitamin supplements and gold bars and stuff like that. There's actually a, a really strong correlation there, and it's actually a lot of the same, the same people making money from campaigns doing the direct mail who are then using the list to actually, you know, sell like bogus supplements and, and telling people to invest their money in gold and, and stuff like that. Anyway, but that's a digression. Anyway, I've it just always assumed it just seems like such an obvious dirty trick though. Right. Like, and again, oh, this is an analogy that I don't. So the nine 11 attack, 
was once we got past the shock of it and and everybody who just looked at it objectively had to realize oh my god this that was unbelievably clever because they took this incredible weakness in our entire society where we had had decades of plane hijackings for political reasons it was a much bigger thing when we were kids that was like a huge thing in the 70s and 80s planes were getting hijacked all the time so like in the 70s and 60s and the hijackers always had an agenda of you know we, we want prisoners released in this country we want this you know uh, this country to to recognize a border with another or something but they didn't want to die you know they would hijack a plane and then they'd say you know land it over here and then the plane would land and people would negotiate blah 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 and so we just had this policy of if anybody tries to hijack a plane do whatever they tell you land in general people didn't die nobody it just had never occurred to anybody that somebody might hijack a commercial plane on a suicide mission and they took advantage of it to great effect right and the difference was the the, the plane that landed in that field in pennsylvania the passengers heard via like right. those phones in the back of the seat what right. was happening to the other planes and right they fought back Right. And they fought back and then they realized, hey, we shouldn't do this, you know, and, and, and they tell passengers, you know, and there's just known that, hey, you ever get in a plane that gets hijacked, you know, be, yeah, be nervous. But, you know, just understand they're probably just going to land and get you off and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this idea of, hey, why don't we fill a political rally with our side and embarrass the other side or just take the tickets or whatever? That's so obvious. That's not it's it, my point here is that that's the obvious that, that that's the opposite of like the 9-11 type thing, like, oh my God, we never thought of that because we don't think like suicide bombers. This is something that's so obvious that I've just always assumed that political rallies, there's controls in place where the tickets are distributed at a local level by Democrat, you know, the Democrats distribute tickets to Democrats, Republicans distribute tickets to Republicans, and they have some kind of defense against that or else it would have happened before. Because the other thing that's obvious is rather than just having empty seats would be go into the arena with, you know, if you go to the Trump arena, go with your Biden t-shirt under a shirt, and then you get inside and, you know, a thousand people take off their shirts and have go Joe shirts and start chanting for Biden and stuff like that. It just doesn't happen. I think what happened here are two things. I think, see, I think people took this story about teenagers on TikTok is so delicious that they want to attribute the low turnout to the teenagers. And I don't think that's what happened at all. I think it's two entirely different things that happened. I think that only 6,000 people wanted to go. And that's a lot less than they thought. But the teenagers tricked. They didn't cause the low turnout. All they did was cause the Trump campaign to be convinced that 50,000 people were going to show up which is two different things. You know, do you see what I mean? To go to a political rally right now, given the coronavirus, is just not a very smart thing to do. And I guess I give, uh, I would give people credit for being smart enough to not do that. Right. And so actually 6,000 people is a lot of people yeah. given the circumstances, right? Right. And no, I think that's exactly right. They, they tricked them into sort of the, the sort of expectation game. I, I just right. think it's fascinating, though, because the you're right. It is delicious, right? And it, it like it's delicious for all kinds of reasons. It's delicious because it has K-pop in the headline. It has TikTok. There is one other angle about this, by the way, which is to the extent that this became very popular and viral on TikTok, 
we have no idea how or why that happened, right? TikTok's yeah. <laughs> virality <laughs> right. and right. control of their algorithm is way more of a black box than anyone else, right? You kind of right. get a general idea. You don't know the specifics of how Facebook works. You have a general idea of how things get popular and why they're popular, and you can see the share numbers going up and whatever. BuzzFeed built a big part of their business on understanding how things go viral better than other folks. Right. TikTok is a total black box. The way that it works is unknown, but the yeah. implication is is that TikTok could be driving stuff to the top and no one would ever have any clue that they were doing that or not, which is, again, you could say, well, Facebook, we don't know if they're driving to the top or not. Sure. But at the end of the day, at least we're dealing with an American company. In this case, we're dealing with a real reality to the extent that TikTok was effective in crafting this response. It was a company that is controlled and stationed in China had a political impact. On the U.S. presidential race. That's a little ben, concerning. Ben, I was under the impression that they're a Cayman Islands corporation. <laughs> I, hey, well, do we foreign have interference is foreign interference wherever it comes from. I know we're running out of time here, but I thought you had a, you had a point to make on hay. Can we make it in a minute? I don't think so. I mean, the point I want to make <laughs> is that I think people are obsessed with the 30%, and I don't think 30% is the issue. Nope. The big issue is the complexity of supporting multiple payment systems. If you're a yep. multi-platform solution – Supporting Apple Pay is an unbelievable amount of complexity and difficulty that, frankly, closes off markets, particularly to small folks. And that's why I get upset about it. I actually think 30% on a zero marginal cost good relative to how much you used to pay in a store. Like, I actually don't, the 30% doesn't bother me. It's the complexity of dealing with an app purchase that does not go cross-platform, does not incorporate with your existing systems. That's the real problem here. And it's it's frustrating that people get fixated on 30% when that's actually the least important issue. Yeah, people are way too fixated on it. And other than Steam, I think just about any other platform like that is 30%. All the game consoles are 30%, Android's 30%. It's so standard, it's almost an actual standard. Yeah, well, nobody on Steam, too. Steam has comp- competition, right? Because right. you can install a game via any way on right. on Windows, whether it be directly or through other competing game installation yep. services on Windows. And so that's a good example of how competition works. And by the way, 30% matters a lot to the really, really big companies, right? Because they can handle the complexity easily, and the 30% really contributes to the bottom line. But all the small to medium-sized folks like Stripe can do so much for you. They can run yeah. a huge part of your back-end business. But if you have to support in-app purchase, you don't get to take advantage of any of that because you're dealing with the lowest common denominator that, frankly, is a crappy product. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the funny part is, is that Apple could, I don't expect them to, but they could come out tomorrow and say, we're dropping it to 15% all around. And millions of people are going to be like, yeah, Apple did this thing. And all these developers will be like, that doesn't solve our problem at all. Well, not just that. The amazing thing is Apple could have gone the other direction. I think I might have mentioned this in passing the other other day, but they could have taken an app purchase and said it runs everywhere on the web, on Android, mm-hmm. everywhere you want to use it. Build one time on our service. We'll take care of everything. And that would frankly solve a big part of the problem as well.